Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope, offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Sarah, Amy, and Carrie will explore a theme, share an inspiring story, practical tips, and encouragement you can use every day. Thank you for joining us today. Hi there, it's Carrie M. Holt today, and this month we are exploring the topic of grief in the special needs journey. Before I became a special needs mom, I really had no idea how closely associated grief walks with special needs motherhood. I remember reading about this grieving cycle in a book very early on in our journey entitled Extraordinary Kids. She talks about the different stages of grief when a family receives a new diagnosis for their baby or a child. I could really resonate with what the authors said. They had interviewed a nurse and she said, you have to grieve for the child you are expecting before you can accept the child you have. Some of the stages of grief that you might experience are denial. And the thought is, I can't believe this is happening to me. Anxiety. How can I possibly handle this? Fear. What will happen to my child and my family? Guilt. What did I do to cause this? Depression. My hopes and dreams seem to be lost forever. Anger. This is not fair. And lastly, acceptance. I don't like what has happened. I don't understand why it has happened. I don't know how I'm going to handle this, but God knows and I can trust him. I know that these stages might not be backed up by clinical research, but I do believe they are a cycle that we are continually living in. They're also not definitive stages. Sometimes we experience one or more of these at once. They aren't linear either. You can bounce back and forth from one and back again. This is not grief over the loss of our child, but the loss of a dream and then having to adjust to new expectations and life experiences. These might be doctor's appointments, diet concerns, therapy, surgeries, medical procedures, behavioral plans, IEPs, mental health issues, And not to mention fighting with insurance, state funding, paperwork. These are just a few things that we as special needs moms have to deal with in the world of special needs. Now, grief has been something that I enjoy writing about. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but I really had an epiphany when our son was about four or five years old. I had a light bulb moment after an unexpected hospital stay. I think we had to take an ambulance to the hospital this time and it was just completely unexpected. During that hospital stay, which I think lasted about five days, I had to miss our second child's field trip at school, and life was still moving forward. Our daughter was a toddler at the time, and our school year was coming to a close. So we had four kids, about seven and under. My sister's bridal shower was also coming up, and I really didn't have time to breathe after that hospital stay, let alone process what was going on until something set me off. In this case, it was two board books that my daughter had ruined. And I think I've mentioned this in another podcast, but we, I ended up at the library and I was being honest, telling the librarian about these books. And then she told me with no mercy, 
or caring or understanding how much it was going to cost to replace those board books. They are super expensive, by the way. And I kind of went off on her. I told her she didn't understand what I was going through. She wasn't having any grace. I really could have just put those books back in the library return bin and they would have never known that it was us who had returned them, but I was being honest. And I think I told her I would never return to that library again. On the drive home after that, it finally dawned on me that I was grieving. I was grieving the loss of time with her other kids, the fact that I had missed our second son's field trip. I was angry because the hospital stay seemed pointless. And when we left that hospital stay, we went to an outpatient appointment. And during that appointment, they scheduled yet another surgery for our son. And that was adding it to an already long list. As special needs mothers, the marching band of time moves forward at a frenetic pace, and we feel like we have to keep time with it. This sometimes does not allow time or space to grieve our losses. And after that stay, I do feel like God gave me a gift. And it was this understanding. Grief is always going to be a part of your journey. And I want to tell you this. Grief is always going to be a part of your journey. Expect it and don't be surprised when it comes. I will be with you in it. So after that epiphany, it just helped me to understand what to expect. I'm one of those types of people that I really have to know what to expect going into situations or I, cause I don't, because I don't like feeling blindsided. And here are a few observations that I've learned through the 14 years of being a special needs mom. First of all, grief does not always look like sadness. It can show up through many different types of emotions, such as anger, impatience, depression, anxiety, and even weariness. We all grieve when we experience loss whether they feel like big losses or smaller ones. And I think in our Western culture, we also tend to rank grief, which can be dangerous. We also might even feel belittled by others that in our minds have experienced the ultimate grief, which is the loss of their child to death. So we might feel like we can't acknowledge our own grief over what we deem as little losses. And this is what I'm talking about with ranking grief. I want you to know that your hard situation is still your hard situation, even if it looks smaller compared to someone else's. More importantly, God is still God, and He is still all you need if you've lost your child to death, you've lost your child to a dream of having a healthy child, you've lost time, your child has lost function, you've lost memories, you've lost friends, you've lost a marriage, you fill in the blank. He is still near The comforter can still comfort you whether you believe that your losses are big or small. So please don't rank your grief and know that God is still God in all of it. So what do we do with grief? So on my website, I have a free download that is entitled Eight Practices for Processing Grief. And I want to walk through these today briefly. I will put a link in the show notes so you can download this free resource. But the first one is acknowledge it. Sometimes changing our expectations is half the battle. So I think we need to acknowledge and expect and accept that grief is a part of the journey. So then that way, when these emotions come up, you can go, oh, what has happened lately? You can ask yourself, what's been going on the last few weeks or months even that I need to grieve or that could be sparking these emotions? 
The second practice for processing grief is name it. Sometimes when we encounter these emotions, such as sadness, anger, or weariness, we may not really know what is initiating our grief. This is when we need to take the time to pause and reflect. And I think it's important to even keep a journal, whether it's an audio journal or a written journal, even a video diary. For me, it's sometimes in the van driving when I'm by myself and a worship song will come on and all of a sudden the tears are flowing and I have no understanding of why I'm crying. It was during that drive in the car that I realized that I had let our second son down. And so when these emotions are bubbling up inside of you, ask yourself a few questions. What has happened recently? What losses do I need to grieve? Why am I sad? Write them down and name your grief. The third practice is lament it. This is probably one of the most important, and that is that you need to lament your loss. I know I've quoted this book before, but it is so extremely powerful that I can't help but quote it again in this episode. Andrew Wilson in his book, The Life We Never Expected, says, We need to learn, especially those of us from Western cultures, where mourning is so understated, how to grieve in a way that gives due weight to what has happened to us. Otherwise, in our attempt to cope with the situation, we can trivialize the pain and so fail to deal with it properly. So after you have acknowledged that grief is a part of your journey and you've named it, you also need to lament it. Psalm 62, seven says, pour out your heart to him. Don't be afraid to grieve and pour out your heart to the Lord. I think Job was the perfect example of this. In his pain, he poured out his heart to the Lord. And honestly, when I read through the book of Job, when I was pregnant with our son and after we found out about his special needs, I thought, I cannot believe that he was able to talk to God like that. There's even verses about him wishing that he had never been born. But yet God was the one who told Eliphaz that Job was the only one who had spoken rightly about him. He says in Job 42, 7, God's anger burned to Eliphaz because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So I'm not quite sure, but I think this is because Job was honest with God about how he felt. He took his anger, his worry, his anxiety, his losses to the Lord, and he didn't hold anything back. You don't have to filter your emotions and what you say before you take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to him, lament it, and be honest with him. Some ideas for this are journaling and just singing and worshiping. Those are some of the ways that I have been able to grieve my losses in our journey. So the fourth practice is speak truth about it. Unfortunately, when we are grieving, that's when the doubts and fears and anxiety crowd in. So you must learn to speak truth against the feelings of hopelessness that can invade you during grief. It might be easy to assume that you're always going to feel this way, that it's the end of the world and life's never going to change. It might be easy to doubt that God is faithful, that he doesn't see your grief, that he doesn't see your needs. So speak the truth of scripture against it. The Psalms are a great place to start. Identify the lies that you're believing in your grief and remind yourself of who God is. Remind you of his char- Remind yourself of his character and what he has already carried you through. I believe it is so important to set up those stones of remembrance, just like the children of Israel, so you remember his faithfulness. So speak truth about it when you're in the middle of grieving. The fifth practice is to choose gratefulness within it. 
Now, it might seem like gratefulness and grief are opposites, but actually they aren't. Jesus was the perfect example of this. The night before he went to the cross, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, as Matthew says. He prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We know that he grieved so hard that his sweat was like drops of blood. He knew what he was going to face. But yet he said to his Father, Not as I will, but as you will. Your grief and gratefulness can be held together in the same hands. You can be grieving your situation, but also be looking at what you can be thankful for in the middle of that situation, and that will strengthen your faith. The sixth practice is speak or share your story alongside it. It is so important to share your story with others. I know that it can be very difficult to go back and process the hard and traumatic places, the things that you've experienced as a special needs mom. So I want to admit here that I am a verbal processor, if you haven't already figured that out. Um, but So this comes fairly easy to me, and maybe it won't to you. And sometimes I will admit that I do overshare with someone. I want to give all the little details because I love story and I'm wired for story. But I have learned through listening to Adam Young's podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves, that when we share our stories with others, you're actually connecting the right and left hemispheres of your brain through the retelling of your story and when you're experiencing those emotions, and this leads to healing. Then there's also this connection that occurs between yourself and who you're sharing your story with. This leads to empathy and compassion, and people can relate to pain even if they haven't walked in your shoes. So when you're ready, I want to encourage you to share your story alongside your grief. The seventh practice is to show kindness to yourself through it. This is so important, ladies. Be aware of your body and your triggers and be kind to yourself. So just a few weeks ago, we were told that our son is going to need a spinal fusion surgery this spring. And honestly, it was news that came completely out of left field. I wasn't expecting it for several more years, and I spent the day reeling in grief. I thought that I had been down this road long enough that this unexpected news wouldn't send me into the state of emotions that I was experiencing. The problem is that if you try to shut off all those emotions, you put up an armor, you turn into a cynic, and you always expect bad things to happen. So I really had to learn to be kind to myself this day. So I took a bath. Epsom salt baths are one of my practices of self-care and one of the ways that I've learned to be kind to myself, especially if I've had a hard day and I've just been crying a lot, and I also try to drink a lot of water. I have also come to be aware that after every hospital stay that Toby has, when my I let, I'm able to finally let my guard down, I'm going to grieve. I will crash at some point. It might be a couple weeks later. It might be six months later, but I know it's going to come. And so when I begin to experience those emotions, the anger, the weariness, the trauma, and just the sadness, I've learned to show kindness to myself. And so if you haven't listened to the podcast about self-care, please go back and do that and just be aware of dates, anniversary dates of diagnosis or hospital stays, or maybe it was the day you had to call an ambulance for your child, or maybe it was the day that your child kicked, got kicked out of school because of behavior, but be kind to yourself and be aware of those triggers and your processing of grief. The last one kind of comes at the end of Um, when we have had some healing and um, 
through processing grief, but that is, is to use your grief to comfort others because of it. So in second Corinthians, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort, which we ourselves are comforted by God. So I've learned in my many years of walking with the Lord that when the Bible repeats a word, it's really important. And the word comfort is repeated a lot in those scriptures. But basically, it's this idea that when you have been comforted by God, eventually you can take that mercy and comfort and bestow it on others. Sometimes that might be through sharing your story, being a listening ear. I have not done the research, but can you imagine how many of the nonprofit companies that are out there that are the result of someone's pain that they've walked through? I would say most of them are. When our special needs son was barely two, I began to volunteer at a local children's hospital. And one of the things I do there is a group called Family as Faculty. So we get to share our stories with new employees, nursing students, residents. And this is basically about what family-centered care looks like from the family's perspective. And so it has helped me to grieve, but it has also helped me to find meaning and purpose in our pain in teaching moments. So I have had to look at the bad experiences that we've had at the hospital, and I've been forced to look at them from the perspective of what, how could that have been made better? And it has also led to me feeling purpose and helping others to get better care at our hospital. I've been doing this for 12 years, and I have just found so much meaning in it. And how many times do you get a phone call or someone at church might say, hey, I know this mom who is walking through this similar journey and she's just in the early stages. And then you can walk alongside that mom and be a mentor and a comfort to them. So those are some of the eight practices for processing grief, just things I've learned along our walk and our journey. And I would love to leave you with these comforting words for your grief from Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thanks be to the Lord. Thank you for joining us this week on Take Heart. If you are loving our podcast, could you please do us a favor and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on? Don't forget about my download this month, Eight Practices for Processing Grief. You can find that at carriemholt.com. You can also follow Take Heart on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story with us, please follow the link in our show notes. We love hearing from our listeners and we love hearing your story. And listen in next Tuesday as Sarah shares her thoughts on grief and the special needs mom.